guys this is your girl coco i want to welcome you to another episode of kiki and with coco um if you are new to this show just to give you a little bit about it the show is about life in general with an emphasis on relationships um no i don't have all the answers but the people that i bring on the show i hope that our perspectives can give you some insight to help or maybe just guide you through your journey. Today's episode is about being a man's place of peace and what that means. And so today I have one of my longtime friends, Debo. He goes by a number of names, but we're going to call him Debo today. Um, Debo, you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, let me let me just first start by I do. I have a number of aliases. For various reasons, I ain't hiding from nobody. Um, just the different, I guess, the different journeys that I've gone through in life. But like I, I grew up as Donnell, um, became Debo. Um, just I guess from being bigger than all my friends, and then I, I, I uh, evolved into who my, I guess, my alter ego now is uh, DJ Superman. Uh, that's what I do on the side. Uh, DJ Superman is a, a, a alias that I came up with because I think I spent a lot of my day as Clark Kent. I'm a teacher, so in that mode, like when I'm able to be DJ Superman, like I'm not Clark Kent. Rarely do I have my glasses on while I'm DJ, and like I get to be uh, somebody completely different. While I'm and so, DJ Superman or Debo, as I like to call him. Um, also is the person who produced my intro and outro. So I appreciate you for doing that for me. I like, I definitely didn't know which way I wanted to go as far yeah. as having an intro or if like actual music or if I wanted to just be like, yo, this Kiki and Coco, but you know, yeah. I, I heard uh, the beat and I was like, yeah, I need that. <laughs> Yeah, I, and I appreciate that. Um, my finance department is probably going to get together with the, uh, for the invoice to send you. So, See, uh-uh. See, no, you can't do that because I asked yeah, you before you even sent it to me. How much? Yeah, it, that, it's, it's above me now, you know? So, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I'm seeing it all, you know, all the different podcasts, like you hear week after week. So I'm just going to capitalize what I can. You know, so I'm gonna send you an invoice, but I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna get crazy. crazy you know? See how people do you? They say you free, and then turn around and be like, "Pay me." But just to give you guys some background on how Debo and I met, it was my freshman year of college at the University of Illinois at Chicago, and you were going for what your second bachelor's degree? Uh huh. Yeah, and he is a Kappa, and I was at a probate, and he was, what was you, like, big brother, or what they call that? I was a dean, yeah, I was a dean of pleasures. Yeah, and or, he was, uh, was oh, fall 06. Yeah, yeah fall, fall 06, 06. yep. Uh-huh. And he was going in, and I was like, I have to meet this man, and... <laughs> 
And so um, I didn't meet him that night, but I had another friend, like maybe in spring of 07, who pledged Kappa. And um, another school, completely different school. Yep, he went to a totally different school because Chicago has like a city chapter versus like just a school chapter, right? Right. So um, when he crossed over, he was like, you need to come to the after party. Like, I'm mad you wasn't at my probate. And I was like, dude, you never even told me you was crossing. So how was I supposed to know to be there? Like, I don't keep my it to the street like that. So he was like, yeah, the after party at this place, you know, whatever, whatever. So I go. And lo and behold, it's at Diva's house. Lo and behold. (laughs) And of course, me not being the shy individual that I am, all I needed was an introduction. And I was like, what's up? (laughs) Uh, Let's let's say through the the night, like as guests began to leave, as people began to leave, you became less and less shy. Like, it wasn't like, hey, came in the door like for the party. It was like... Of course not. Everybody about to, everybody about to go. What's, oh, you, what's up? Oh, oh, hey, yeah. I, <laughs> probate from last year. Oh, yeah. I remember like three hours later. <laughs> but the introduction was made and I made myself known. <laughs> there we go. I'll say Regardless that, if it happened that. at the beginning of the night or the end of the night. We met. I can't argue that one. That's true. Yes. And um, over the years, we have definitely been good friends. Appreciate his friendship, his point of view. He helped me with some schoolwork here and there. So appreciate this nice, educated individual. <laughs> um, I so, can you on your toes regarding... Uh, what do I always check in on you about? Yes, yes, you always check in on me, so I appreciate that. Um, I so, always tell you the difference from when you at work versus when you when you're in the street. Like I notice with you, whatever you doing with your hair, I'll be like, oh, 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 oh yes, <laughs> he is the one who calls me out <laughs> during the work week and on the weekend. Yeah. He'd be like, oh, <laughs> I see you ain't at work. <laughs> Right. She put she on pass today or something. She put in she put in leave, but right? okay. Or he'd be like, Oh, I see you back at work. Well, I'll be on my time. raggedy mode. That bun be letting me know. <laughs> and Debo was also in the army at one point. Yep. Yes. So yep. Uh, interesting, interesting experience. Yes, the military is always an interesting experience, but um, I think it got you to some some decent places where you wanted to be. Mm-hmm. You learn. Um, I've seen people not take full advantage of what was offered. I've seen people gung ho and retire. I mean, I, I think as cliche as it sounds, like when people say. It's only what you make it. Like you, it, it really is. It's, it's what you make it. Um, things happen. It's gonna be new to anybody that steps foot on any military installation. The way they do things is gonna be different. The people that you're around are gonna be different than 
whatever you've been used to. So it's a matter of being willing to adjust and adapt. And then it becomes like what you make it. Like you could sit down there and complain and cry. Oh my God, I'm from Chicago and I'm from, I'm in Leesville, Louisiana. Like what you make the best of it, you know? Oh, that is definitely how I felt being from Chicago and Little Rock. When I got them orders, I was like, who lives there? Why would they send me there? Nobody. Well, Nobody. <laughs> but, um... They got a mall. Huh? They got a mall. That's all I mean. like, they uh, had... When I was leaving, they was building up, like, a outdoor... Like, a nice outdoor mall. I wouldn't yeah. say it was, like, upscale, but it was definitely better than the mall that was there currently at the time. Yeah. At the time, yeah. yeah. I went to one club there and I felt like it was, it gave me Bella Noche vibes. Like, <laughs> and, uh, it was you like can't get to go to Bella Noche's, where the hell could where you hell go? go? Oh, right. <laughs> so I felt, I felt like every time people asked, I was like, I think I went to Bella Noche's when I was at, uh, when I was in uh, Little Rock. But, <laughs> I don't know. But what was you doing in Little Rock? Because who goes to Little Rock? Oh, man. Let's, let's talk about it. So where where are you stationed currently? I am in the UK right now. So have you, like, stayed put in the UK? As far as? Like, when, on your downtime, are you like, I'm going to do whatever I can do in the UK? What do you do? So when I am not working... And when we were not on the, you know, shutdown or whatever, I would be up in London from time to time. You know, mm -hmm. that's like two and a half hours away. Uh, me and my homegirls was just talking earlier about how we can't wait for the lockdown to be over so we can get to London and turn up. Um, also, because, you know, travel is, fairly cheap over here you know um i've been to croatia germany france um amsterdam and then hopefully once this is over i think we may try and go to mallorca just on some you know we need to be on somebody's beach type vibe so um i will definitely say being in the uk has been very nice to me so to answer your question what was i doing in little rock yeah i wasn't i wasn't stationed in the uk i was stationed in fort oak louisiana mm -hmm. so on those on my downtime i would frequent places like not not as lavish as london or anything like that um uh, houston uh lake charles louisiana it's really Bad Rouge, New Orleans. Uh, we went to Palm Beach a couple times. Um, where else? This time, like just as much of a road trip, it was guys, of course. So as much of a road trip we could take uh, and tolerate, like we would do. So we went to Little Rock one weekend early on. Never went back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, out of the places that you mentioned, none of them sound too bad except for Little Rock, because yeah. honestly, if I had an option, I would never have set foot in Little Rock. <laughs> yeah. that, I would have driven through Little Rock. Um, 
Exactly. Freeport. Freeport is a surprisingly nice place. Like, it is. So I have yeah. family in uh, Monroe. So when I was in Little yeah. Rock, I would go down there to Shreveport and like party with them and stuff. So yes, yeah. Shreveport is actually a decent little town. Yeah. I got a, my Shreveport story is, uh, that's why I don't drink uh, Jagerbombs. Shreveport. So nice. Shreveport. Exactly. <laughs> we were in Shreveport in August of 2004, maybe. Mm-hmm. So of course it's hot, right? Hot as hell. Boy, like, he like, man, I, don't, I can't think of the little strip. It's kind of like Bill Street, uh, where they like you can walk with liquor and all that, like yeah. like a fake little uh, Bourbon Street, whatever. They little section. Mm-hmm. You go walk through with drinks and bars and all that. And uh, he was like, man, uh, be be cool. I'm like, man, you talking to man? I know what I'm doing. I'm what? on the back, on the back. I got cold. My body just starts shivering like. Lord. I said, uh, I'm going to go ahead and take it back to the room and just take a little little rest, you know, while y'all, you know, when y'all come back, I'm, I'm going to be ready. So I was like, I don't want them to come in. They, you know, they come back mm-hmm. uh, I didn't want them to come in and like, I, I'm sleeping. I missed out on something, right? So I put the latch on the door. I didn't want them to come in like, get in there, uh, you missed it like the whole time of life because I'm knocked out with so I had the lack on the door. I woke up with the sun in my eyes. Like I had I never got up. Uh woke up, sun in my eyes. One of my homies laying right here next to me. Other two laying on the other bed, two laying on the floor. The door is off the hinges. They what? said they banged on the door for an hour and then finally just said, fuck it, and kicked the door off. Lord. That was August 2004. You can't pay me to drink. Yeah, you I have only drank Jaeger once. And that was actually recently, uh, this past year. And it was just one. So I don't like licorice. So when somebody told me Jaeger yeah, tastes like licorice, I was like, nah, I'm yeah. good. So um, I was in London, actually on a date. And we ran into somebody. Somebody heard me talking, and they was like, oh, are you American? And I was like, yeah, are you? And he was like, yeah, I'm from Boston. And I was like, okay, that's what's up. I'm from Chicago. And he was like, well, I have to get you guys a drink. What y'all want? I was like, you know, I'm I'm here for a Hennessy, you know, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) And he was like, no, we got to take shots. I was like, I'm not really a fan of shots. He was like, come on, we have to take a shot. So he's like, with his friends i think he had like some type of fellowship or something in london and so he was with some of his classmates and they're like we got to do a jaeger bomb and i'm like i'm afraid i don't want to do a jaeger yeah. <laughs> but we did it it wasn't bad for just a one-time thing it was like okay it was nice meeting you appreciate it <laughs> good day sir multiply that multiply that by about four or five right? see that's where you went wrong yeah. That, that was that was my one of my many military stories that I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. So we are gonna go ahead and get into the Kiki session this week. And I think since the quarantine, everybody has kind of been on a 
you know, celebrity as far as celebrities go, like giving us kind of like concerts, low key or whatever on IG Live. I know you've done some um, some DJ sessions that I've sat in on. You know, just getting a feel good vibe. You know, yeah. giving people some yeah. hope. And so last night I had intentions to watch the Erica Badu and the Jill Scott versus last night. And I didn't catch it from the beginning, but I did get like the the end of it kind of like, but it was still a good vibe. And I was just like, damn, I wish I had seen it from the beginning because that it was dope. It was like just a super feel good moment. Yeah. Like it was a vibe, like uh, completely different. Have you seen other ones, right? So the only other one I've seen or cared to watch was the Babyface and Teddy Riley one. See, yeah, like you gotta see, you gotta see the the growth in it. Like from seeing all of them, I feel like this was the most mature one. And man, it might speak to because it was the women doing it one. So mm-hmm. the very first one uh, that I saw was the Dream, and of course. Was it Sean Garrett? Yeah. But see, yeah. I heard he was, Sean Garrett was being like real disrespectful. Not during it. So I won't say he was being disrespectful. He was probably incoherent. <laughs> right? And yeah. so his, so think about how you could say Babyface was being disrespectful, right? But he was being disrespectful on some, like he's been petty. Right, mm-hmm. because he had the upper hand. I'm sunning him. This is my brother. Yeah, I don't think that there was a song that Sean Garrett played that Dream didn't have a, a smash for. Like he killed that. And, and I so, was, I've always been a Dream fan, so I definitely yeah. wish I had a saw that because yeah, they, I think it might, it might be on YouTube. It I probably is because that's how I ended up seeing Babyface and Teddy Riley. I right, didn't right, see right. that on live. So. He, yeah, he was like uh, in a whole nother space or whatever. And uh, just in terms of like looking at this, even going into it, the dream was like, yeah, we're going to play, uh, we're going to donate 25000 to, I want to say it was like essential workers or something like that. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I got mine. Uh, I can pay yours if you need to, or I can let you, you know what I'm saying, get your weight. Like he basically was like, I can let you get your weight up first. Yeah. Like, dab, dab, dab. Because he like, nigga, you came at me. So I'm finna show you, like, this ain't that heat. But then, I ain't gonna say Sean, I ain't gonna lie, Sean Gary had some, eh, some, some joints. Of course, they got Beyonce song. So, uh, now, what I did like was the direction. It, it started to shift because it started out as like, nigga, I'm better than you. I'm better than you. Uh, my, my catalog is better than yours. I'm gonna kill yours. Uh, song for song, Jante and Neo, they kind of shifted the, the the culture of it because it was like I wasn't afraid to be like, and it was good for black men in this regard because it was like I'm not afraid to be like, damn, I remember when you wrote that. I remember when they came. I think I wanted to be on that song. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. And so they were like, Whoa, oh, you you did that one? Oh man, boy! Like, and they would be. You know, mm-hmm. like Jante, Jante got that shit, but Neo was really, Neo had that shit too. He, he, when he came with that uh, Irreplaceable, mm-hmm. 
that was his like boom, his legit, you know. So I will say I'm not a neo a neo fan. Like no. I don't necessarily like the music that he puts out himself, but the music that he does for other people, I'm like exactly. my yeah. like yes. You did that. And then when I, because I don't, I didn't know who, what's his name? Jante? Jante Austin. Yeah. So I didn't know who yeah. that was prior to yeah, a lot of people, popping off. Yeah, a lot of people like that. Yeah. But, so when yeah. I saw like the songs that he did, I was like, I love that song. Yeah. He had a little, uh, I want to say he was in a little group for a second, but he all, he's always been Jermaine Dupree, man. Like, always been right for Jermaine Dupree. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Dante. Dante. I want to say he wrote like early Usher stuff. Like that's who was really like helping Usher early in the game. Either Dante Austin or Dallas Austin. Well, think. I could imagine it being Dante Austin if you say he worked with Jermaine Dupree because you know when Usher first started, he was with not so so deaf, but he worked with Jermaine Dupree. Right, he was with a face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Yeah, you know, I used to think Usher was my cousin. <laughs> He's like, that's my cousin. I mean, sorry, that's my cousin. <laughs> so, uh, and then going back to it, uh, who else? We had Lil John, Lil John, and T Pain. That was amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, just for the just for the strength of like the, what the songs was about, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Love that. Definitely. I ain't charge this to my head, not my well you you can charge it to whatever. The DJ Premier and Raekwon, as even as a DJ, was like, I'm cool, man. I, it was a snoozer, you know? Like yeah. eh, it was a snoozer. And they was they were just doing too much. And the sound was ridiculous. Because the sound was ridiculous for Lil John and T Pain. They had to work on that too. Mm-hmm. And so they were trying to make sure the sound was good for uh, Raekwon and Primo. And it was just doing too much. Like, because both of them are DJs. Like, they wanted to give me, a, give me a thumbs up when you're three seconds off so I can blend my song in. It's like, man, we have crossed the in two different states. Like, just play your song, you know? Yeah. So that one was a little, eh. And the hiccup with Teddy Riley and Babyface, made the anticipation much more so that when Babyface was sunning him, like, mm-hmm. it so was even I more will say, I don't necessarily think that uh, Babyface and Teddy Riley are in the same class of songwriting. Uh, I understand that. Because Babyface write, like, a lot of love songs. Mm-hmm. You know, he didn't have, like, a lot of club bangers. So, and I, I I didn't even know Teddy Riley produced music outside of Black Street. So, For real? yeah. So then it was like, just you, like when you I. Apparently, you're 19. Huh? Apparently, you're 19 years old then. Hmm, facts. Even though I know all his music, I didn't mm-hmm. know he wrote them. Mm-hmm. So, you're um, a 19 year old. So whatever. that's what it sounds like. Whatever. Okay. So then when Learn you know they going hit to hit, I'm just like, yes, I love that song, Teddy. And it was just like, but then I love Babyface too. And it was just like, yes, sing to me, Babyface. And then So what direction was you going? I, I don't have a pick because I really like them both. 
You know who forget? Uh, Manny Fresh and Scott Storch. Did you watch that? I told you I only seen Babyface. Oh yeah, that's right. And that one was Riley. yeah. That was that was a lot of. There was definitely a lot of shade, and that mm-hmm. was because uh, <laughs> Storch was like, "That's cute," but yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But you, but with uh, Manny, like people realize, like if there was no Manny Fresh, it wouldn't be no, no cash money. Ain't no, yeah, exactly. Ain't no cash. Ain't like, oh yeah, what? So what? Scott Storch was doing was like, oh, you hot? Let me give you another single or something mm-hmm. like that. Like, I can't think of anybody who wasn't already on or who wasn't hot and did a Scott Storch song and it's like, oh, this is what we needed. Yeah. Nah, this was just like mouth sauce on the hell chicken already. You know what I'm saying? Yes. The chicken gonna be fine, but put the mouth sauce on it. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it was a lot of so going from the baby face to the uh Jill Scott was like a breath of fresh air for real. Just like how you described it, like it was a vibe. It was a vibe. Like she came, she kicked it off with spoken word. Yes. <laughs> so I just I, so I've never that. seen Jill Scott in concert, but yeah. I've seen Erica Badu twice. And when I say like I love Jill, like mm-hmm. Jill will touch your soul. You know what I'm saying? Erica Badu, she'll put you on another plane. But, like, Erica's voice is just, it's something different. Like, her... It's like she don't try. Yeah, she don't try. Her notes is different. Then to get that, like, back-to-back, like, just feel good every song was... And then the Mm -hmm. upliftment, it was like, yes, queens, turn... Yes, give it to me. Yeah. Yeah. She, um... And I I would say... I that was one of the first CDs I got. It may have been I may have been either in eighth grade or freshman. It was ninety seven, um, and I was just like, she different, you know. Mm-hmm. And then on and on, I'm like, oh yeah, it's cool. And what really changed it? Cause video, I was big on videos. Then. Uh, the next lifetime video, mm-hmm. I was like, that's kind of because I was just making the like the connection with the growth of Outcast with Andre 3000. Yeah. And I was like, let me just see. Okay, he's like kind of out there. Kind of like, okay, but he's a talented artist. And I think like being in that space where I recognize that in him and then seeing that shift to her, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, this is how it looks on the female side. Yeah. Like, so like I definitely see how both of them influenced each other right. musically and personally. Because right. when we were coming up, like, videos was a thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was sitting here with my girls earlier today watching, well, not necessarily watching videos, but it was on YouTube. But, yeah. you know, people still make videos yeah, right. or whatever. Yeah. And, it, and it's been some songs, like, I don't literally feel like I have really watched or paid attention to videos since, like, 106 and Park with AJ and Fruit. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying. So it's actually like sit here and watch videos. I'm like, damn, I ain't never seen this video before. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. and I, I feel like videos are a lost art. But videos was also before social media was a thing. It was our outlet to the artists. That's why the what World Star Info probably one of those people. People would post their videos on World Star, not necessarily fight videos and all that, but like their song 
because it's like this is a platform where I know people are coming to watch videos. I necess- I don't necessarily have to search for it. I might get exposed to it. Like, oh man, I didn't know. Let's. I didn't know Kelly Rowland made a new song. Oh man, possibly, let me check it out. Like just using uh, World Stop for an example. Like and then you get to see that and then you see the song. And it's like oh man, you make that connection. But um, going back to Erica Badu, like. I, I I felt like I grew up on her more, and mm-hmm. then I remember that like shift in neo soul, like, and I, I was like, I wasn't with that movement, like, yeah, like, like music, like, and yeah, I just felt like yeah. that wasn't me, you know, mm-hmm. and it was just like, eh. I went to Jill Scott, I went to two Jill Scott concerts mm-hmm. as an adult, though, like in the last yeah, two years, yeah, twice, live twice, uh, one time was the uh, B one hundred and three, like was the the block party or whatever at uh, Northerly Island. Mm-hmm. She killed that. She was the headline. Uh, BBD was there too. That was dope. Nelly, uh, SWV, like it was one of those. But she yeah. was the headline. And then I drove all the way to uh, the Ravinia to see her. Mm-hmm. And Ravinia, you that's beyond standing room only. You ain't gonna see the stage. Yeah, you just hear everything, and you in there. And she just singing, singing her heart out. Mm-hmm. So I got that appreciation for her. But I knew going in, like, I air for my teeth, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I, so I will say, like, being a kid, I wasn't, like, I used, before, before I got into music like that, and I still don't think I'm, like, a strong music head like most people. But I can listen to the words and understand and relate to what they saying. So as a kid, yeah. it's like, oh, if the beat good, then, you know, it's a, it's a bop. You know what I'm saying? But now it's just like you really listen to the words and, you know, really get the, you know, feel the vibe that they in. So when Jill had came out, because even when Erica Badu was out, like first came out or whatever, like I don't necessarily think I understood the concept of like, neo soul or you know i I just thought she was r&b you know but her style was definitely different from yeah you know any other type of r&b and then jill came on the scene and like you said like neo soul like i was into it like the mainstream neo soul but not necessarily like getting in the weeds of it you know and now like hearing the like hearing the verses last night i was kind of just like Yes, like I understand what you're saying. I feel what you feel. Yeah, and yeah. yeah, like it was just a different feeling. Be like hearing it. Do you think so? Thinking about that, right? Let's let's throw a throw a. So you said you you were Jill Scott fan before. Mm-hmm. Uh, like throw a Jill Scott song. Um, what's the what's the name of the song where she be like, "You woo me"? You uh, <laughs> yeah, that song. Hold on, what is? It? Hold on, hold on, hold on. We humming it. I'm looking it up now. Uh-huh. <laughs> He loves me, Lazio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He loves yeah. me. He loves me. Right. So 
that let's say that let's look at that right 2000 came out 2000 mm -hmm. do you feel there's two ways that could go do you feel like she wrote that song in a place where she was in 2000 it was like i hope in time enough people can like understand what i mean by this and understand where i was going with this and then it becomes timeless or she's like this is for what women or people in relationships or people who have people that they desire are going through right now and this is what i'm speaking i feel like when jill is singing or making music i feel like it's about whatever place she's in at that moment and if you gravitate towards it then cool but i don't feel like she necessarily put music out for what's hot right now mm, okay but yeah. this song specifically transcends through time there because you talking about something that is always going to be you know yeah. people always going to be in relationships you always going to feel butterflies when you initially start dating somebody or when you have that long time love like being able to relate to how your love has grown over the years so you she's singing about a feeling that's always a possibility and it, it's timeless yeah mm -hmm. i get you i get you that was you answered the question how did i become the journalist i ain't know i'm just i'm answering questions we having a conversation. That's what this is right. about. <laughs> You're right. But yeah, I think that that's what she does. Like she makes that music and I think she's not going to make it if it's not, if it doesn't have last, if it doesn't have staying power. Like she, it ain't going to be a song. Like yeah. I think she knows that if I'm saying something, it can, it can uh, impact the moment. But you can also look back at the moment and be like, mm -hmm. Ooh, girl, remember that Jill Scott song? Remember I was going to kill that baby? Yeah. But like sometimes you hear a song and you be like, I remember what I was doing when I first heard this song. Yeah. Or like a lot of songs, I can always say when it came out based on what I was doing in my life at that point. Um, like I feel like around the time we met, buy you a drink was <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you know you, uh it was buy you a drink and because i feel like the capital stayed dancing off yes they stayed strolling off them mm -hmm. two songs <laughs> buy you drink buy you a drink and i'm a flirt because mm -hmm. like you said spring 07 uh we were driving down to because christendom cross and what? Well, that was April. And we yeah, I want to say it was like April. Yeah. We went to D.C. like the week after he crossed. But mm -hmm. then the noobs, shout out to T.G. Noobs, uh, 07 Noobs, when they came back, because they had gone, they were gone for a minute. You remember my roommate, Marquis? Kool-Aid. No. Kool-Aid, yeah, Kool-Aid. Remember I had the other roommate, Marquis? I don't think I knew him. He probably was working. Yeah, like he was never he was never around. <laughs> yeah. He uh yeah, I think that was one. Yeah. So Marquise was from 
Eastern. He was the last line, 02. And so mm-hmm. yeah, 02 to 07. So when 07 came back, we were like, we dead down. And I remember we were in the car and Keith was like, you know, T-Pain be like, I say, Como te llama, baby, me, I'm a pain. What's your name? I was like, my name is What he said. Yeah, I, I was like, I didn't know what he said on it. He was like, man, we strolled off that song for years. There ain't nobody. I, I never knew what he was saying. Mm-hmm. But found, listened to that in 2007, going down to uh, Easter. Hey, buy your drink. And uh, what's the other one you just said? I'm a flirt. Yeah, yeah. Flirt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Those are the joints at that time. Definitely. Yeah. And now you're a drunk because the cap was provided a lot of uh, I did not drink like that in college the only time I remember drinking and I feel like this was probably maybe right before we met I think the aka the sigmas the sigmas threw a party and I remember somebody had some blue label and a bad night because I got put out the party for underage drinking. Yeah. And, um, and, and like, how, who, who were you fooling? Like, who thought, like, yeah, she probably, yeah, she probably, like, <laughs> damn, you, you all of 411, like, a freshman in college, we probably like, man, she, she still go to Morgan Park. Anyways, uh, yeah. that's why I took a whole year because I was like, No, I met you my freshman year. It wasn't a yeah. whole year. Yeah. Wait. The probate? The so oh, like I, the end of it. You yeah. right, you right, you right. Yeah. 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 Spring, it was fall 06 and then spring. Yeah, when I initially like, saw you and then spring yeah. 07 when we a met. Lot of, a lot of liquor. But I remember that party specifically, and even though I was drunk, I remember Beauty Is Her Name was playing, and the AKAs was strolling, and I was just like, this is my song. That's probably why you put your ass out. You start crying. <laughs> but, you probably like, they've been playing this at my prom. You like, the baby. People like, you don't get out of here. <laughs> I danced for this, that prom. Whatever. It was a good time, a good party, a good night. And yeah, but I will definitely say music is one of those things that brings people together. Mm-hmm. It brings peace. I know Jill and Erica definitely brought that vibe to the universe yeah. um i know a lot of people was like i needed this for my sanity yeah yeah because it wasn't you i don't even know what the score was like i don't even think it was a score i think yeah. people was just so enamored by the vibe itself that wasn't nobody like oh jill killed that or erica killed that like i just think it was one for one that um that's hilarious. That was that was one of my favorite. That's one of my favorite teacher words. Uh, I talked to <laughs> I was talking to a parent um, just about like 
I don't want to say like, yeah, the problem is he has a crush on her, like because then I was been like too judgmental. I was like, well, I can see, you know, in class like this during during the lesson, like he's truly, truly enamored by like what she does and then the mother was like, What you mean he enamored of <laughs> He likes, he likes, he likes it. You know, I picked up on that. I picked up on it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think overall that was a good vibe. So the next versus is Nelly and who is, who he going about? Ludacris. Ludacris, yeah. It's hard, man. Back for the first time. I feel like I used to be able to rap back for the first time in Nellyville. Now, no, no, and no. I, I probably wouldn't say Nellyville is hard as back for the first time. No, man, I guess back like, for the first time was what's your fantasy and all that, right? Yeah, so I feel like before you could just go online and like get the words, I used to be listening, like writing the words, like I'm gonna be able yeah. to rap this shit. <laughs> Yeah, it's what's your fantasy? Fat Rabbit, Southern Hospitality. Uh huh. Uh, Southern Hospitality is a whole. Uh, now I probably say I like the What's Your Fantasy remix better than the original. Uh, I don't remember who was on it. It was Trina, Shana, and I feel like it was another female. I think I, I think I uh, had all oh, tricks up. Uh, yeah, Ooh. I had it, Foxy Brown. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I had Foxy it queued up. Had um, the nastiest part yeah. of the song. I had it queued up one day. I was playing, and I, I just played the first version of that one. I, I didn't play the uh, whole remix. Mm-hmm. I, just, I just wanted to hit a hook in the uh, first verse. Yeah. But what? And then so. Now let's let's think about this. So now we're looking at uh back for the first time, Chris mm-hmm. Lover Lover and Country Rapper. Yeah. So why I why I personally love Country Grammar so much. Um gotcha. I had a I had a, yeah, came on like <laughs> that intro right there was just like all right. Mm-hmm. Um, I had the single CD, and I was talking about this like a while back, like uh, how FYE you can go in and buy the single CD. I had that the single CD for Country Grammar was like five tracks, remixes, and all that. Mm-hmm. But I, the first time I heard Country Grammar, I was in Memphis. Also, the first time I ever drank in Memphis. Um, I, I didn't want to act like I didn't know what it was, so I said, "Yeah, I'm gonna uh, drink." I drink absolute wine, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> he was like, it, "It was my homie, older homie." Yeah. And so he was like, "Yeah, what you chasing with?" You know, you try to act like you don't hear somebody. Like, what? I didn't know what a chaser was. He was what? like, "What you chasing with?" I was like, "Man, you don't like." The usual. What you mean? He's like, yeah, like orange juice. I was like, yeah. I'll never drink a screwdriver ever in my life, right? For that reason. Uh, <laughs> he, he brings the orange juice. I don't know the ratio. Though. 
I'm pouring, pouring, pouring. Man. And all I remember is hot shit. Like, we had that CD single playing country mm-hmm. rap over and over. And I was just, I learned the song that night. And I, man, I, I just love the song. And it just reminds me of my very first time drinking and drinking. <laughs> so well, I was su- I was it. super young when Country Grammar came out. Yeah, I feel oh, like oh, yeah, okay. I was in the seventh grade. I want to say. Um, I was a. Uh, so the album came out. Uh, the single came out April two thousand, which was my junior right when I went down to. Yeah, I was in seventh grade. Yeah, I went down to uh, Memphis for spring break mm-hmm. when I was 16. Yep, 16. Uh, EI, ride with me. What? No, I was in sixth grade. Uh, yeah, ride with me. I used to always skip ride with me. If you want to go I used to skip ride with me. Because I was like, that was so whack. When I tell you that was the very first song I heard in basic, though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> very first song I heard in basic. And I was like, oh, I like that. I like that. I heard uh, Ride With Me and Mesmerize by uh, Ja Rule. Mm-hmm. Ja Rule and Asante. Those are the two songs. Yeah. But, like, I, I walk, we walked past the TV and uh, Ride With Me was on. I'm like, yep. Mhm. But I got Nelly. Nelly. I mean, mm-hmm. I like both. Because you got Pimp Juice. Because uh, Nelly. Nah, I think Nellyville was. Nellyville was solid. Mhm. Because he had number one on there, right? Was High and Hill was on that one too? Yeah. Uh, that's when they started wearing their jerseys backwards and shit. Mhm. Uh, Air Force Ones was on there. Dilemma. Who is who is that recently that said they made Air Force Ones famous? Uh, ASAP Rocky. Yeah, like bro, was you yeah. not around when Nelly was talking about I need right. to pair? <laughs> and I and what year was this? Two thousand two. I was about to say had to be like two thousand two. Yeah, I was working at Finish Line. So imagine people coming in there trying to be like Nelly. They wanted to buy two pair of shit. Yeah. I need to purr. Give me two. <laughs> yeah, that was like that. that. Yeah. It, you know, it might be Nelly. It, it might be when I think about yeah. all the good sh- songs that came out during that time. Uh, man, is this the one? Yeah, Nelly. Yeah, Nelly. Oh, I was probably the only person that got that double CD, too. That I got that. I know for a fact I got that on active duty. Mm-hmm. That sweat, that sweatsuit album. Mm-hmm. A lot of people slept on what that slappy album on it. Was tip drill on? Uh, it might have been on. Shoot, let me see. So I remember uh, BT Uncut. Oh yeah. Tip drill used to always come on. Oh yeah. But I remember it was a song that came out. <laughs> and I Tip have to laugh. Huh? 
Fibger was on Country Grammar. Was it? But it was it it wasn't really like released like that, I guess. Like, mm-hmm. it, it became popular with BC Uncut. Mm. But so BC Uncut, you had Tip Drill. But then it was another song. It wasn't on Nelly's song. I don't know. To this day, I couldn't tell you who sang this song. But the song was like, <laughs> I ain't got no panties on. Oh, no on the dance floor. And, yeah. <laughs> and people were telling me about song. this song. And it's I was like, what? Song. I ain't got no panties on. Yeah. What? <laughs> and I was like, they were like, yeah, it be on BT Uncut. And I literally tried to stay up to watch BT. Wax a million. And I, to this day, I ain't seen that video, but I remember hearing it. It came like I heard it and I woke up and I was like, it's on. And then I went back to sleep. (laughs) I was like, I have to hear this song. Yeah. That was the joint. Wax a million. Mm. Yeah. But I will say the early 2000s. Had some good music. Yeah, yeah. My um, anytime I think about where the party at, that was my graduation song. Like my the summer of my graduation. Mm-hmm. That was my song. Where the party at? <laughs> yeah, good times. Yeah. Good times. You were in like fifth grade, brother. When you graduated mm-hmm. from high school? Yeah, you were in like fifth grade. You graduated when and. Oh one, mm-hmm. I was in seventh grade. Huh? Uh, I feel like I'm uh forty years old. You how old now? Thirty six. Thirty six. Ain't that far apart? Yeah, I'll be thirty seven. In October. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll be thirty three in November. So. That's solid for me. Mm-hmm. What was you, the 18th? 17th? Huh? 18th or 17th? 19th. 19th. I knew it. Hey, I knew it was in the uh, 17th, 18th. That was, yeah, that was two. That was like striking out. I said three wrong uh, <laughs> I knew it was in that, though. I knew it was like in you the... You knew it was uh, in the things. Yeah, yeah. The yeah, upper teens. Yeah, you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. Both, I guess. Yeah. Uh, dang, he'd be 33. Yeah. So, Is it how I feel? Yeah. I definitely feel like I'm living my best life, but mm-hmm. at the same time, you know, 33 was supposed to be my, my cutoff year to have kids. I didn't think I was going to be 33 with no kids. So now I'm just like, okay, now I need to push the age back a little bit later. Uh, but, okay. you know. So you, so a lot of people like subscribe to God's plan. You got your own plan. Okay, okay, I got it. I see how it goes. But whatever. You say what? I said, I see you, you subscribe to your own plan, not God's plan. So it's yeah, you know, at this point, I'm just like, you know, it's in God's hands. There we go. Like, I feel like you should have walked walked uh, into the game thinking that. Yeah, I should have. But, you know, it's one of those things like, 
you just see your life going a certain way. Mm -hmm. I just thought my thought process of not having kids young was like, yeah, I ain't trying to have no kids young. I'm trying to live my best life, whatever. And then young passed, and it's just like, well, shit, I still ain't there. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I definitely feel like God has ordered my steps. And, you know, I pray he that he bring me children in my future. Mm-hmm. Look at Sarah. You said what? I said, look at Sarah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. This is true. Uh, but, that's, a, that's a great segue. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> you know, I think that's going to wrap it up for the Kiki session. And now uh, we're going to roll into the hot cup of cocoa. Okay. This week, the hot cup of cocoa is about uh, being a man's peace and uh, emotional intelligence. Let me give me an oven mitt. Sheesh, sheesh, sheesh. Man. So, being a man's peace and emotional intelligence. Tell, tell me more. So, when I think of being a man's peace, I don't ever think you can stray away from um, a difference of opinion uh-huh. or um, you can't stray away from it or conflict. Right. So I literally think it boils down to how you approach situations and allowing there to be a dialogue that that is very important very very important um yeah i think one of the things like even in that even in death like we were talking about like your like the difference in age between you and i uh the difference in experiences between you and i um just like we kind of started to touch on um like fundamental, fundamental, like beliefs, mm-hmm. and that's where I think that's where you get that, like that commonality. Yeah. So you find that commonality, but then you still recognize the the things that make you different, right? And you mm-hmm. celebrate that commonality. So in talking about that, like, yeah, I don't, I don't go to London on dates. You know what I mean? Like, whereas you wouldn't. Uh, venture to little rock for a weekend getaway right mm-hmm. so those are the things that you say like all right this is what makes him different this is what makes her different the commonality uh just in saying i know god is ordering my steps and i'm like i know god orders my steps right so now mm-hmm. this is this is where we meet with it right yeah but at the same time those other things don't become non-existent so now we're we're approaching the same topic, just having different experiences and different backgrounds mm-hmm. doesn't make it right or wrong. Right. right. So speaking of that, so when I was married, that was one of our issues. So you and I know we have the commonality that we know God is ordering our steps, you know? Mm-hmm. So with him and I, we knew we wanted to 
have a family, which was the commonality. Right. But we couldn't agree on how to get there. So therein lied the conflict. How do we resolve it? Mm, and see, I don't, I don't think it's, I think you look at the conflict on a, on a more, like to resolve it, you're looking at it on a macro level, right? Mm-hmm. Resolving it on a macro level means like, yeah, we don't have this problem no more. Right. Resolving it on a micro level is we still have these differences, but we, mm-hmm. but we work through them. them. Right. We work through them in a healthy way. Yeah. Like, which we I did know. not. There, there you go. And then that leads to it blows up, right? So mm-hmm. it's like you have to be willing to, and it, it sometimes it takes you more than them. In either case, you be, if I were a woman, it would take, I would have to take charge of me more than I could take charge of him and mm-hmm. vice versa. Like right. I have to be able to take charge of me more than I can take charge of her. Mm-hmm. I can inspire her. I can model things to her for her but i cannot then say the way that i think is the way that she thinks. yeah and now you think that way solely because i've either shared my my um my morals with you i've shared my beliefs with you i've shared my stance on particular things with you hoping that now you absorb those and even in you absorbing those, I'm, it's, it's still going to come out different, right? Mm-hmm. Like you might, it might be, you might be able to tell somebody something that you've experienced uh, throughout the years of you growing up, right? Like my parents always told me this. My parents always told me that. And sometimes you don't put it into practice. And then you put it into practice and you perfect it, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes we lose sight of the fact that this has been ingrained in me for, years on years and i was i was rebellious i had to come around and realize how important it was mm-hmm. and we don't take and sometimes we we fail to take into consideration this is new to this person mm-hmm. right but i guess the the issue is do i give do i extend them the same grace and mercy that i was given to find it out you know what I mean? Like, yeah. if it took me 15 years of trial to understand, yes, this works. Even though it hurts, this works because it's God's plan. And then you introduce that to someone, naturally you want to be like, okay, so tomorrow you're going to start doing that, right? It don't work like that. And so you're in a place where you're like, do I, like, how much work do I put into creating this level of peace right in the home you know and it's like it's not saying like you questioning about and out backing out or whatever it's just like you don't know you know like you don't know what it takes Mm -hmm. so 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 when you're having a disagreement with your significant other do you feel like it's your responsibility to foster the environment for peace
Y'all hear that dead air? Y'all hear that dead air? That's it. <laughs> like, uh, responsibility? No. Uh, not, I, I wouldn't say responsibility in terms of for both parties. I feel like it, it is my responsibility because, like, going back to what we said, like, I have to be at a place in order to approach you about this or I have to be at a place in order to suggest this to you. Mm-hmm. So it, it does, like, you could even, like, you. I, I think you have to announce whichever stance you intend to take. Like, you could say, like, that just, you. I don't see you trying to make it make sense. And I'm not going to keep fighting the fight of not, of it not making right mm-hmm. or you could say i see where you struggle with understanding where i come from where i'm coming from um let's work through this issue so i can see what you need like i i i, I could say that i feel whole about an issue right mm-hmm. and then the i guess the argument or the disagreement is the other party not feeling whole about the issue like the first thing that I, I do is realize everybody's not me. Everybody it does not have to agree with it, but I want to know why. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, I want to know the logic behind why you don't, like, why it's not a yeah for you. Yeah. Situation. Like, what, what, and what does it take for it to be a yeah for you? Mm-hmm. So, what do you think are some steps? that women can take to be a man's peace. I don't want to I don't want to mansplain it uh <laughs> and make it seem like this is just like a blanket approach. Uh, I mean, it's not a blanket approach because every situation is different, but right. but speaking from a you know, just a general perspective okay. what what are things that you feel like you and your friends discuss when, if y'all even discuss, you know, what? when when peace is not in your house? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's either memes or man, she crazy. So I'm talking about. But um, uh, <laughs> uh, no, I I think it, it's just that awareness, like. You have to be both self-aware and socially aware because you see what pushes your buttons, right? Mm-hmm. You see what motivates you. You see what drives you. You see what interests you. You see what keeps you. And having that self-awareness of like what you need is great. And the social awareness comes in when it's like, I know what I need, but... I'm existing and I'm having interpersonal communication with someone else who may who may have a whole set of whole different set of what they need, uh, how they see things, uh, and what they're willing to commit to like different things. And so once you get on that same page of yeah, this is this is how I see it. This is what I'm willing to commit to. Um, and then this is what I want. Like you have those three 
those, I guess, those three levels. And then you have to be able to look on the outside, well, from the inside looking out to the people who are on the outside and say, what are the barriers or inhibitors from getting that, that same level of understanding? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Like, what can I do? And I, I was reading um, the energy codes and it, it last night, the, the part that it really broke it down and it said, a lot of times we view, we view things as a block, like anything that's a block, we think it of as a, a barrier, mm-hmm. but it's actually a gap. So what are you doing to fill that gap? Not so much, what are you doing to try to get around this barrier? Like if there's a disagreement, uh, disagreement, if there's a misunderstanding, that's a, that's a gap. That's not a block. It's not a roadblock. So it's what are you doing to fill that gap with what's needed to get from point A to point B? Mm-hmm. Or to get from misunderstanding to understanding. Right. And I, I get that. Um, so what if the situation, like, of course, you don't necessarily... Okay, so there, there are there is a difference of opinions, and you see it's not going your way, or do you get to that point of understanding where you understand where she is coming from, or is the goal solely to get what you want? No, nah, um, it, it has it it has to go both ways. Like you have to be able to see like the needs of the other party because it's it's stakeholder relationships. Who who all plays a part in this is important because it'll help to inform where we're going, right? So not only am I like not only am I sure of what I want and what I need, but it's a like I said, it's it's a stakeholder relationship where I need these things, but is it best? for the relationship like i'm a i'm an introvert right mm-hmm. so i could go into my classroom every day uh, give out packets and you do you know you do the package because that that benefits me that serves me better no like i have 60 students they need some sort of level of interaction right mm-hmm. so i have to step outside of myself for the good of the relationship so, but there sometimes you do have to preserve yourself though. Like mm-hmm. you can't just you you can't give everything for the sake of making this thing better because that thing is gonna be better and you're gonna be you're gonna feel like trash. Mm-hmm. So you can't benefit from it. Right. Okay. Makes sense. Um, makes sense. Makes sense. Um so what has your experience with relationships taught you about your emotional intelligence um what i would say what i'll say it it taught me is being aware of it like being aware of it and knowing that that's what that's my ammunition, or I would say my armor and my ammunition in any situation. Like, I can't be anybody's 
that I'm not, you know, and experiences shape who we are. Mm-hmm. But just like, man, even even using that analogy of um, weaponry, right? Mm-hmm. I could walk around with a sword. I could walk around with a gun. But do I need to walk into uh, a peaceful a peaceful situation shooting? Absolutely not. But it just teaches teaches me how to respond in certain situations. It teaches me where I need to respond in certain situations. Make sense? Mm-hmm. So, um, when I deal with guys. I think, and just because you're older doesn't necessarily mean that you got it figured out or, uh-huh. you know, you know what you're doing. But I I have gravitated towards older men because I feel like they do have a level of emotional intelligence that I need. More likely. Hmm? More likely. More likely, yes. Because, yeah. um, like I said, age don't necessarily mean it. There we go. There we go. But um, and even and even when I date men around the same age, you know, I'm still looking for that emotional intelligence. But sometimes it just ain't there. Mm-hmm. You know, and. I feel like because I have been to therapy, I've been doing the work, you know, I I feel like I'm in tune with my emotions and I understand how to listen to somebody else's wants and needs and emotions um, and be understanding of how they process things but I don't feel like I have been met with the same emotional intelligence so you don't feel like but what give me an example of like evidence I'm actually I'm doing a lesson on supporting evidence give me an example give me some evidence that shows that that has been the case like that is not what like you've got you you haven't gotten the results that you intended to get so I feel like this one individual I have dealt with, we have on numerous of, of occasions um, talked about communicating with each other, you know, what it is that we feel, what it is that we want, you know, and just keeping the lines of communication open. Mm-hmm. And I feel like even though I have expressed to him that, um, you know, even even if what you feel is not favorable when Mm -hmm. you say it, because sometimes you could be thinking something and just be like, but I don't want to hurt this person's feelings or whatever. But if I told you, be straight up with me, that's what I anticipate you to do, regardless of how you think it's going to make me feel. Because so, then I feel you've given me the decision, the option to make the decision on whether I can agree with what you're saying, not agree with what you're saying, or just be done with the situation altogether. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And so one thing I feel like 
men don't get is that honesty is a part of that emotional intelligence. That's true. And you can get so much further with someone if you just be honest. (laughs) Yeah. And going back, how long do you think it took? Do you think you were naturally born with that skill? Um, if I, I don't think I would, I don't think I was born with this skill. No, but, um, huh? Do you think it strengthened through relationships? I feel like, I definitely think emotional intelligence strengthens a relationship. Um, I feel that it, Emotional intelligence allows for certain conversations to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, it allows for, and really to me, it all boils down to being able to communicate your thoughts right. effectively. And we ain't all, we ain't born with that skill. It's something that you learn throughout life. Um but you would just think to be in your 30s or older, especially with people who have have dating experience or long-term dating experience, that they would not they would learn these things. How though? Have they so I think the only like way that you could truly, truly, truly be fair and expectations is if the the situations mirror each other, right? Like nobody has gotten up and walked your walk every day of your your life, right? I mean, walk your walk every day of their life to mm-hmm. be able to get to a place where it's like, oh yeah, when I see this based on based on our experiences, this is how we should react, right? Everybody's walk of life is different and so i think that's where the frustration comes in when this learned behavior uh like some of the some of the negative learned behavior like overrides the logical behavior mm-hmm. right but when you've been putting that into practice so long that becomes the norm and I, and that's i think that's my question back to you like how long does it take for it to become the norm them so i think you would probably have to in in terms of emotional intelligence you probably have to dissect how long did it take for it to become a norm for you you would be first how long do you think it's going to take for this person to um become a subject matter expert and it would be natural for them having been like with being taught or being exposed to Mm-hmm. You know, and like, I and I get that, like having patience mm-hmm. to um, work with somebody for them to gain that emotional um, intelligence because it don't happen overnight, right? Um, but I also think that goes along with that person being willing to. Mm-hmm work on it and so i think going back to what you said about communication like 
I think you have to when you when you fault when there's a fault or when there's a failure having some sort of like dialogue because I think in the in the uh like in the corporate world or in our jobs like we thrive on feedback. But we don't do that as much and we don't take we don't like have a a, a structured feedback loop uh personally. Mm-hmm. I I can definitely see that. Like being able to give that feedback, give and accept that feedback so that it's not recurrent. It's like I think feedback is so, so, so important because it gives that opening to how I feel, what I feel, why I why I did what I did, why I act the way that I act. Like you see that. So I think feedback starts as simple as um, I ain't like that. Mm. Yeah, you know. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and but it has to be like if you're giving adjustment or affirmative feedback, you gotta get some something that's important. Like, why didn't you like that? What didn't you like about? It? Mm. Not saying you gotta have a, a rubric, but you have to have some that goes back to standards and values, like. I don't like this because, you know, and this is who I am as a person. This is how I, raised, I was raised as a person, and this is why I don't. And now, boom, pass the ball. Like, so what? Is, what is your thing? You know, like it could be. Oh, I didn't. I never knew that that came across that way. Um, and then the action part is important. Like, either you could say, "Fuck what you talking about," like. That was weak. I mean it like that. You weak. Or it could be like, I mean it like that. And I, I recognize that I may be more, like I may be giving more to it than it needs to happen. Mm-hmm. You know? So it's just all about like the many nuances of how people respond to that feedback. Yes. And I think we can tie this back into um, being a man's peace uh-huh. is being open to having that feedback and dialogue. Yep. And being um, wrong. Hmm? And being wrong. Yeah. Like being yeah. able to admit your faults. Yeah. Um, Coming to something like with a completely different understanding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially when you've heard the other person's perspective and you really take it into consideration. And sometimes you may have to walk away from the conversation to really digest what the other person is saying. Right. Um, but, but the agreement is that it doesn't stop there. It doesn't end. Right. No, I mean, you still got to come back and address yeah. the situation at hand. But I feel like come back with an alternative or come back, like you said, admit your fault. Yeah, alternative or an admission. Like, mm-hmm. either or. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I yeah. think the whole concept of 
like I'm just not an arguer. Uh-huh. Like I get sometimes you have to. I just I just don't like yelling. I don't like yeah. I just don't like arguing. You know what I'm saying? I'd rather just have a conversation than to be yelling back and forth with each other. And I feel like if I ever get to a point, because I do just be super chill. You know what I'm saying? Even even when something is brought to my attention that is bad on the other person's part, I, I still address it in a super calm manner because I just want to know. I want to understand. You know what I'm saying? I feel like I'll get, I can get more out of you if I just talk to you versus yelling at you. And if I ever get to the point where I'm yelling at you, the end of the relationship is very near. (laughs) Because I feel like you have now taken me outside of my character. And I, I find myself, well, of course I can't end a relationship at work, but I do find that if I ever get to the point where I'm yelling at a subordinate or I feel like I have to to go in too hard when I'm talking to a supervisor or something. Yeah. Like I'm fed up with you. <laughs> yeah. And is it is that so even with that situation, like, is that a an established or agreed upon norm? Like, or are people left to figure that out? No, you're gonna know how I feel. How? No, what I'm saying, like how how do they know that that's what that means like that anger frustration means that i'm checked out you know what i mean mm, yeah i get it um, like, or is it like because i'm now like i've been working I'm willing to work with you so long and now that i'm sorry i start to yell you should know that this is what that means Now, this could be lack of emotional intelligence on my behalf. Okay. But common sense to me, (laughs) (laughs) because I'm so chill most of the time. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? If I get, I feel like just knowing the person that you're with, you know what I'm saying? And how they react to things. I feel like if you know the person that you're with is typically like chill, cool, let's talk it out. You know what I'm saying? And they to the point where they're yelling at you or they they a lot more short with you. You know, that should be an indicator. Yeah. To be like, yeah. you know, this yeah. is abnormal. Yeah. Let, let me try and figure out how to communicate what I'm saying to this person. Or, you know, how can I make it to where this person... I can get this person to listen to me again. Uh-huh. Uh, makes sense, makes sense. So, but, but is... Because that's definitely yeah, but, how I process things. But like we said before, everybody process, processes things differently. But when, when I am in that situation... Like, when I notice differences in how they interact with me, it's just like, okay, because I do like to observe. It's just like, okay, I know he mad at me. 
I know I done pissed him off. How can I make this better? And you're having that conversation with myself. There we go. There we go. There we go. Yep. So it's like I think through all of the solutions, all these potential solutions without like considering the source, you know, like every kid is in a visual learner and I feel like, yeah, I'm just going to show y'all this. Uh, I don't know why they don't get it. Right. And this is me working through how I would do. I'm going to get the results that I would have gotten from teaching myself that way. Mm-hmm. Instead of considering like, wait, where wasn't I clear? What did I, what did I misunderstand? Um, like, where can I go back and fix, I guess, fix what I, what I, where I messed up. Like, and so that the other party will know where I'm coming from. And then mm-hmm. now we can move forward and this won't happen again. I mean, so when I'm having this conversation to myself, like going, going through my observations, you know, of this person and they, how they interact, whatever their personality traits, um, you know, I'm thinking about the situation. So yeah, I'm having this conversation with myself, but I'm also thinking about how do I approach this with this person? So I'm not just sitting here like, oh, I'm just going to do X, Y, Z and everything is going to be better. It's just like, okay, let me really think about what this person said that, or what I said that led to them going off on me. Right. Um, and I just feel it goes back to being able to admit where you're wrong or come with an alternative. Well, who's who's wrong? Is it though? Like, how how am I? How is the onus of responsibility on me if I've never been taught that that is a wrong? You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, I've never, never, like, if I never knew that it was wrong to jaywalk, like, and then the first thing, the first interaction that I get with jaywalking is getting arrested. It's like, I'm going to be so frustrated and so mad because it's like, when did somebody tell me? that jaywalking was a crime. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And like, I like, I'm, I might be less likely to jaywalk again, but now it's like, I've built up some resentment a little bit because of the way that I was corrected. It wasn't like I was corrected like, hey, you know, normally you don't walk, walk down the street, but hey, when you start walking down the street, don't jaywalk, you know? And that, I think that's the open and honesty part. Like that has to happen before the failure, mm-hmm. before the misunderstanding. The mis- yeah, that, like, that has to happen for sure. Yeah. So I think I'm speaking from a, we've been together for a while. So okay. maybe it's already established. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, somewhat. Uh, of course, still, when you he, 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 still a different person. Regardless. You say what? 
I say he's still a different person. Yeah. Okay. And then, but of course, in the beginning, you have to figure out because everything ain't cut and dry. Right. You know, um, but I feel like being able to comprehend that something is wrong based on the other person's behavior. That's a guess. That there needs to be a conversation uh-huh. as to who, who where the discipline is. Hmm? Who needs to have that, though? I feel like it would be nice for the person with the issue yeah, yeah. to be able to verbalize that. But if they aren't able to, I feel like that's where the other person comes in and, you know, brings it up like, hey, you know, we had this conversation and I felt like you shut down. Can you tell me why? And so, yeah, I could understand that, like asking for clarity. Mm -hmm. That's a big part of it, like not just assuming and allow and accepting failure, asking for clarity, not assuming. Mm-hmm. Not accepting, not accepting those are, those are huge. Because sometimes it takes for the other person to open up that line of communication because maybe it's not something that the other person knows how to do just yet. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you have to be willing to be taught and teach. Mm-hmm. If that makes that makes sense, right? Yeah. 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 You have to be willing to. Taught to be taught and to teach. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, 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 yeah. I think that is going to wrap it up for the hot cup of cocoa this week. Yeah. You know, Debo, I appreciate you coming on the show this week. I appreciate you for giving me the beats. Um, you know, do you have any final words? Uh, be a better just be a better listener that go to the world you know you be a better listener mm-hmm. see how far they get so being a better listener is step one to be mm-hmm. in a man's place of peace yep alright there we go Um. again I appreciate you coming on the show I appreciate you guys for tuning in as usual. Stay tuned for next week's episode. If you have any Ask Coco questions, you can email me at kikianwithcocopie at gmail.com. I will add both mine and Debo's IGs to the episode description. And that's all I got. So thanks again for tuning in. Bye.